It's time for a change. God offers His people a change that can only be described as spiritual awakening. Join Jackson First Baptist as we discover the path of spiritual awakening. Take your Bible and turn with me, if you would please, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 7 and verse number 36. If you're visiting with us for the very first time, welcome to God's family. Welcome to a place where that maybe it might seem a little bit excitable, it might seem just a little bit like, what's going on here? Well, I want you to know that you've come to a church, not the only church, by the way. There's one church, it is God's church, and the people who preach the Word of God and are born again are a part of that church. And so there's a ton of churches around the world that God's working, but you have chosen to come either online or in the house to a church that, that God's doing a work of spiritual awakening. Spiritual awakening is that moment when God infuses fresh life into His church. And when we, we, you know what, we literally recapture the why. Look as it comes on the screen. See if you agree with this. When spiritual awakening occurs, Christians recapture the why. And I believe that some of you in this room can give a testimony to that because it's vitally important that, that we understand our why. Others of you are probably visiting for the first time in a while. Or maybe you used to come and you used to be involved, but things have just happened in your life. And today I'm going to tell you, it's not the same church, honey, that you lived. It is a different church. It is a church that God is alive and God is active. Not that He was not in other times, but, but it's a church that God's moving because we understand our why. The very purpose for our, our true existence before God. Uh, Jesus understood His purpose, and today we're celebrating that. In, in, Luke, uh, excuse me, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, uh, the Bible says that Mark quotes about Jesus, and, and he says that even Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life. He gave it as a ransom, and for those of us who have come to know Jesus Christ, we, have, we are understanding our why, and we are living differently. Now, what I want to do today is engage you differently than probably you might be in most places on church on Sunday, Easter Sunday. I'm not doing this for, for bragging rights or saying we're better, but I suspect in the Bible Belt that most all of you have at least as many times you've been alive, have heard the message of the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and you come every Easter and, and you hear that message and that Jesus died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again, ascended back to the Father, and it's coming again. But, but I wonder, I wonder here, here's something, uh, do you know the why? Do you really, do you know, know the why? A series of questions, if you just let me ask you, just you and I now, forget about the people that are around you online, forget about the coffee that's brewing and anything else, just, just, just you and I for a moment, lean in with me for a moment. I, I, I may have a tie on because it's just Easter, but I don't usually wear one, so just lean in for a moment. I'm not going to tell on you, you don't tell on me, we'll just see each other throughout the message. Can we do that? Give me an amen. Thank you for that. Now, here's a question I want to ask you, look as it comes on the screen, are you searching for your why? See, people all the world are searching for their why. Friend, this morning, I want to tell you this, I know my why. My why of existence is to give glory to the God who has saved me. Now look on the screen, now 1 Timothy 1 and 17. He is the king of the ages, Paul says. He's immortal, he is invisible, he is the only God. Now watch this, he deserves our honor and glory for getting up out of the grave. And I think we ought to praise him this morning. We ought to praise him for getting out of the grave. Now, some of you would say, but why? Why should we do that? I've heard this all my life, but why should I do this? Well, well, listen to me. I want you to think about this. Jesus Christ did something that no one else could do. And He's still doing something that no one else can do. 
And then out of that, here's another one. Has Jesus become your why? Has he become the why of your existence? You see, there's people in this room that if they chose to, they, they could get up and give a testimony. Can I, can I get an amen? There are literally hundreds of you in this room that could testify of what Christ has done in your life. But let me take you back in time to the 1700s, Brother Rick, back in time where the hymn writer wrote these words, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Is there anybody in the room who that's happened with you? Now, some of you today have forgotten your why. And because of that, you're kind of slumping off into sleep. I want to tell you that some of us never slept any last night. But here's the thing. I couldn't sleep last night because I couldn't wait for today. I couldn't wait for the early service. We had two men. Two men came to know the Lord in the early service this morning. I couldn't wait to get with you today so I could get out of the way and be on the way. Why? Because I found my why. My why of my life is to tell people that if you'll come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and make Him the true boss of your life, you will never be the same. Now, some of us have forgotten. You say, think about this. Now, notice this. Only, now, only when you allow Jesus to change your life can you understand the why. So if you, you come on Easter Sunday or every other Sunday, but you're not walking in intimacy with Him, or if you don't really know or you've forgotten what He did for you, then here's what usually happens. You slip into apathy. You slip into other things. You, 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 you carry the card, don't you? I'm saved. I know the Lord. I know the Lord. He's my Lord and Savior. And if anybody challenges you, you get all red hot because you're in the Bible Belt. Be honest. Well, if you had to sit down and write 50 reasons why you're saved, could you? If you had to write 25, could you? Why that you know Him? What is the, what is the proof? Or, or I come, I'm not from Missouri, I'm from Kentucky, but I've got a little bit of a show-me state in me. And so I want to I think with me this morning. I want you to think with me clearly this morning. We're not going to look at the death, burial, and resurrection. We're going to look at two lives. One of them had been affected by Jesus, and the other was angered by Jesus. Here's the text. Look with me in your Bible. If you're there, say amen. The Scripture says this. One of the Pharisees, in verse 36, asked him to eat with him. Now watch. In that culture, when someone wanted to eat with someone, there usually was something behind it. Here was the culture. The culture was this. If you wanted to know something about somebody, you would invite them to a meal, and you had them watch. They are at your disposal. So here's a great question for you. Do you have questions about Jesus? There's this guy, this Pharisee, a religious leader, who had heard about Jesus, so he invites him to his house. The King James Version of the Bible puts it this way, that one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. I want to say to you today, if you've got questions about Jesus, look this way. Great. Great. You ought to have questions about Jesus. I've been saved a long time, but I'm still having questions about Jesus. One of our young men is a yoke fellow training to be a deacon. Asked me a question that when I leave today, I'm going to get in my Bible like now. What, tell me about this. So there's questions that he's going to ask, but i got to tell you this. He really doesn't have his heart open. See, really, he wants to ask him a question because he wants to trip him up. And, and so, so there's some of us, let's be honest, that, that we really don't want to know the why. The truth is we just want to know why people say that they know him, but they don't. But I tell you this, if you meet some people who've been born again in this church and in other churches, you're going to find out they really believe he is who he says he is. And so there they were, there was this, this, this get-together, and they invite Jesus. He comes, to the, the Bible says in verse 36, he went into the Pharisee's house. And he reclined at table. 
Have you ever reclined at a table? In the culture, if you were a rich person, you probably lived around a courtyard. Houses in that day, they would put them around a courtyard, those that had had wealth. And what they would do, they would open up their doors, and if they would have a meal, they would take turns, and they would go into the courtyard. And because of it, in a braggatory way, they would, they would let people come in just to see who they were with. Now, it's kind of strange culture. They would sit kind of low to the ground, a low table. And so what they would do, they would lean on their left side. Why? I don't know. But that's just the way they do it. And the Jewish people were, 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 were so as such that, that they believed those things so messed up. They would turn their feet away from the, if I could just, I probably couldn't get back up. And their feet are away from the table because now this is where their belief that feet were dirty. How many would say amen to that? And so there they were, they're sitting there, they're just leaning back. And the scripture says this, verse 37, now lean in with me. Behold a woman of the city who was a sinner. Let me pause for a moment and, and can set the scene for you. Whenever scripture says they were a sinner, it's signifying how deep the sin is. She was not just a person who born without the Lord because we all are. By the way, we're all born as sinners, Romans 3.23. But she was practicing sin. We find, according to church history, that she was a prostitute in that city, all right? Uh, you know what prostitution is. That's who she was. So, so somehow or another, she comes into, into this gathering where these affluent people were, where this guy who doesn't even really like Jesus is, and, and there she is. She comes, and now folks, listen to me. When she learned that, that, that Jesus was reclining at the table, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. She brought perfume. Now, the, she probably carried perfume elsewhere to the different places that she had been. And, and let's just be frank with each other this morning because some of the guys that abused and used her were filthy and dirty, and she would have used the ointment to just sweeten the moment. So she comes. She comes by, behind Jesus. Can't you just see the Pharisee like, what is this woman doing here? And I want to say this to you, you may be looking around this room and seeing white and black and rich and poor and middle class and everybody in between. You may be visiting today and you see somebody who used to be in the jail, used to be a, a dirty partier, used to be rotten in every way, and you're probably thinking, who in the world do they think they are? That's the scene. And so the Scripture says, I probably he's watching, and the Scripture says she stood behind him in verse 38 at his feet and she was weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. It's just, it's just what? And wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. This is, this is, this is, this is crazy. He's sitting there, and he, I don't know if he's had the meal or not, Pastor, but it doesn't tell us, but, but he's there, he just, he's leaning, and they're talking, and this woman comes, and she's got this ointment, and she sees Jesus, and, and, and you know, I, I've, I've got to ask this question, I've got to ask this question, do you know why Christians love Jesus? Just, just I mean, come on now. I mean, not, not go to church Christians, but people that just love Jesus. People that just, I mean... When the door is open, whether it's COVID or not, they're coming. When there's an opportunity to love people, they're going to come. When there's an opportunity to lift up his name, I mean, do, do, you, do you know? You see, the culture was this. 
When you went to visit someone and they asked you into their home, there were several things you would do for them. One was that you would have a basin of water and a towel so they could wipe their dirty feet. Not only that, you, you would have a, a little bit of ointment or perfume that you could sweeten them on because they'd walked a long way and they put it on them. But then there was something else. There was a common courtesy that they do in other places of the world, a kiss on the cheek. And Jesus had received none of these. It breaks my heart every Easter and Christmas when folks who just kind of come, who say they love the Lord, but they haven't given Him love. But then there are those of us who come every week who give Him nothing. We have forgotten our why. It's just because we know we, we need to go and we don't want the preacher or our, our community group or our Sunday school to call us. Let's be honest, right? Come on. We'd rather not be people get on. So we just kind of come. and it makes. How many of you know it makes the week go better if you just go to church? It does. I mean, if nothing else, it just makes the week go better. And, and so you come. But, but let me ask you this. Do you, do you know the why? You see in the text, the Scripture says here in verse 39, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this was who's touching him, for she is a sinner. R.C. Sproul puts it this in his account. He said, Simon thinks this, that either Jesus doesn't know that she's a sinful woman or he doesn't care. In his viewpoint, Jesus, you couldn't be God because if you were God, you would not allow such a woman to come into this place. Friend, let me tell you something today. In case you haven't discovered it as of yet, this man standing behind this sacred desk is a sinner just like she I don't have just one sin. My past has many sins. And I am so thankful today that Jesus did not just die for my sin and was buried for my sin, but he rose. And by the way, part of the rising was not just so I'd have eternal life. It was the testimony to the world that God had accepted what Jesus did for me. And so there is the scene. Are you with me in the scene? The Scripture says here that Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And by the way, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Don't, so don't, don't be after the service. coming But you shouldn't have said that. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just reading. Here it is. And he answered, say it, teacher. That's good, isn't it? Come on out. Give it to us. You see, he didn't call him Lord. No love teacher there Jesus sat with wet feet that a woman watch this he's embarrassed not Jesus Simon's embarrassed how a woman got into a meal that he had like that and she's gotten down on her feet off her feet and down into her knees and she's got long hair apparently and she's wiping his feet with her hair and she she just won't shut up we want to organize church we want a quiet church where we can sleep 6 to 12 to 15 on our row. By the way, you're in the wrong church if that's your view. Now, listen to this. And, and so Jesus said, now, by the way, Jesus is going to just tell a story. I want to tell you, Jesus loved this man, and I love you. He just tells a story. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Now, well, that's just about as simple as it gets. Let's move to the New Living Translation. It says it like this. There was this banker who had two people came in, and they got a loan. One borrowed 50 pieces of silver, which would be 50 days' wages today. 
Another person came in. He knew him as well. He borrowed 500 pieces of silver, which would be 500 days' wages. And as they thought about it, they went out and wasted it and spent it, and they came back, and they couldn't pay it. Have you ever wronged anybody and you couldn't pay it back? You see, this is an amazing moment. And the Bible says here, so the creditor, now watch, the creditor graciously forgave them both. Watch this. He canceled the debt. He did for them, King James Version says, he frankly forgave them both. Now watch this. I, I, Simon, how smart are you, Simon? Simon answered, because remember the question was, he said, Simon, which of them will, will love this creditor more? And Simon answered, the one, now he finishes it up here, I suppose. Now, I, I, I took a moment and, and, and walked through that because I, I, it just stuck out when I was in the text. It just stuck out. Why did the dude say, I suppose? Here's why. Because in the Greek, the, the word actually here in the sentence construction speaks about somebody says, well, I presume this is true. I, I guess this, this is the morally right thing to say. Haven't you done that? Like, I don't want to say this, but i got to say this. And so Simon says, uh, uh, the one he forgave more. And so here in this moment, this man is forced to admit a, a principle. The more debt you owe the greater you love if it's forgiven. Anybody? I mean, this is Easter. This is, we, 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 we dress up, don't we? I mean, we, we find, try to find the right outfit, and, or, or we, we come and, and, and we want to hear about the agony of His death, and we, we want to hear a spirited message about burial and His resurrection and the grave clothes coming off and, and the shouting. But friend, I want to understand the why. I want to know today, why did He do all of that for me? Here's why. Because I owe Him a debt that I can't pay. If you're not a Christian, you, you don't understand these things, but Christians do. I've written just in your notes there some things here that why three reasons why Christians love the Lord. Number one is this, because He canceled our sinful debts. Not just one of them. We all, we all have the ones, don't we? Colossians 2 and 14, that, that God canceled the record of our debt that stood against us with its legal demands. We all have those sins we want forgiveness for. Can I get an amen? But there's some. There's kind of some we like to hang around with. Now, no one wants to admit that today, but some of us like our attitudes at times. Come on. So, so here's this foolish question. It's not, not, on the, not on our outline, but I just came to my mind. How many sins do you have to commit to miss heaven? I got one brother gave me a one sign. Now, now wait a minute now. So are there categories of sins? So are there those that are worse than others? So in other words, if, if, I, if I take care of the big ones, Pastor Rick, if I, if I take care of these big ones, then, then, I, then I'm okay because the truth is I, I, I'm better than Sam Aiken, which is not true, by the way. Now here's my sin. I just evidence pride. So let me ask you, who's, who's innocent in the room? You want to know why that guys particularly listen to me? You stand at a worship service and just kind of do this and do this. You don't know what you've been forgiven of. 
the older I get, the more I cry because the longer I've lived and the more sin that God has forgiven me for. You see, today, listen, he cancels our debt, but secondly, he changes our status. He changes our status before God and before people. And how many of you have lived with your sin for so long? That's all you're ever known for. See, there's some things back in my long, long time ago that I'm so glad that God has changed my status. I was humbled on Friday night. 90% Pastor Eric of the people who came up to me called me pastor. I'm not worthy. I am not worthy to be called a pastor. I am not worthy to be called a Christian. But Jesus went to the cross so that my name would change. Are you ready for a name change? You see, listen to me. Some of you have never explored all of who your name is. That's why Pastor Rick this morning sang at our sunrise service, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of my... God saved you to make you holy. Because this, this, this Pharisee could not understand this woman. He could not understand what Jesus did for this woman. And so look what the Scripture says in verse 44. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? What do you mean? You know he saw him. You know he saw her. He'd seen her the whole time that she came in. He'd seen all these sinners around him. See, when you understand the why, it changes your status before God and before people. He said, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. Did you sing this morning with pastor when he sang, what shall wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Christ. Now watch. She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. Did you humble yourself and just say, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing my life. Watch, it's just, it's right here in the text. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. She has put it from the top of my head all the way down. She's broken the alabaster box and she, she's poured it down upon you. Now notice what Jesus says, therefore I tell you. Her sins, now here it is, which are many. The guys around town could tell the story, couldn't they? And he says here, you are forgiven. I, I don't know if you, if you, you understand that or not. I, I, I'm trying to help, help you understand it. Uh, Dr. Hughes in his commentary said this, this woman's guilt was gone. No wonder she was crying. The crushing burden had been lifted from her shoulders. No wonder she gave her hair to Jesus. She had been given a virgin heart. For the first time in her life, she felt pure. She was washed. Her life had been one of a constant rejection, but now she was accepted by God. You say, well, when did this happen? Well, in the sentence construction, if you follow the narrative of the Gospels, you discover that this scene in Luke 7 took place after Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, when Jesus said this, Come unto me, all ye are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
So which leads me to the third reason why that we all love Jesus as Christians. Here it is. Jesus changes the status of all who come to faith in Him alone. When you come to Him, not to a church, it changes. Now what? It changes your status. You are now in the family of God. You are forgiven. I don't know if there are any women like this women in this room but I hope so. I don't know if there are any men that are in the category who are sinners, if there are students in this room who are sinners in this room, but if you are, I have hope for you today. It's because Jesus changes statuses of all. No matter your social status, no matter if you've sinned a little or a lot, you may have gone to a Christian school and, and somehow bypassed your need for Jesus. You just assume that you had, friend, if you don't have a relationship with him, you don't. You, you may have come today and just, you came in, you felt so fine, but as the service started, you just felt like, I don't have what they have. Just I'm telling you today that God wants to do a work. It's just you and I, right, and God. So here's another question. Do you want what other Christians possess? See, I couldn't take it in my life. I just had to have what they had. Yes, we all want things that others have. I thought I wanted a new car until the 60 months payment came with it. See, some things come with things that you don't want to possess. I want to promise you something. Jesus will never ask you of anything that if you understand it, that you will not want to give it. He doesn't ask you to die to serve Him, literally. He just asks you to die to yourself. See, there's a pride issue in this room. Some people in this room are saying, I'm not going to give my life to Jesus. I'll do it privately because if I do it publicly, that's going to let everybody else know that I'm a sinner. Hey, let me let it out of the bag for you. We already know. By the way, if you don't know it about me, I'm just telling you that I am. But you see, I've been to the cross. I've been to the empty tomb. And in the moment that I repented of my sins, and said, God, I can't save myself. My life's unmanageable. In that moment when I surrendered, Jesus Christ came and said to me, you're forgiven. Well, Jesus, but what about this? The Father says, you're forgiven. Well, Papa, how... How did it happen? How did it happen that, that I came to be in possession of what for years I couldn't be in possession of? How could, how, could I, how could I hold my head up? How could I walk and be different? How could I really live this life? How could I tell people that I'm not who I used to be? How is this possible? Because God, you know. Jesus so sweetly just whispered, Look to the cross. For there I bled and suffered for every sin. And here's the deal. It doesn't matter what somebody else says now. For you're new. You see, they couldn't understand it in that day. The Bible says this. For she loved much, but he who was forgiven little loves little. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. I could imagine the shout. 
Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Now watch this, watch this. Go in peace. Wow. Do you have that today? Do you have that today? A few people in the room are doing this. The peace that passes all understanding is now watched not in a prayer, but in a living relationship with God. For the writer of Ephesians says this, In Him, meaning Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins through His blood. So as we leave today, here's, here's some things to take with you. One is this. If you have this peace, just, just, just goodness. I'm in the business of telling people it's, ti- it's time that you quit living without the joy of the Lord. So if the devil's whispering to you about your past, remind him of his future and live in the present. Some of you in this room, you've lost the peace. Let's be honest. You don't have peace. Your life is a mess. Your past is caught up with you. You know what that is, don't you? What's unconfessed is still in the hopper. So if you have not dealt with that, so all I'm saying, oh, you may be, but there may be things you, didn't, you did not deal with. There's just something about coming back to peace. Some of you have wandered far away from God, and it's time that you come home. Some of you are wandering down that path, and if you do not recapture the, the why, you're going to be just like the people before you. But you don't have to be. Aren't you glad He saves? Live that way. Last list of these. Some of, some of you, you need the peace right now. You know what you need to do? You need to receive Him. Thank you for taking the time to find God's answers to life's greatest issues. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.